Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday evening on our digital campus. We welcome you all, and we are so glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us. As we say every night at our broadcast, we do broadcast Tuesday through Sunday. And as we say every single time, you can find out more about us at newarkupc.info. I recently talked to one person who said, thank God for the fast forward button, because we repeat this message every single time. The reason we do it is because all of the information can be found at newarkupc.info, and you don't want to waste your time listening to me go through the litany of things that can be done there. And so I'm not going to tonight. Just go to newarkupc.info, and if you go there, you can find all that you need to know about us. If this is your first time with us on this broadcast, we welcome you. Thank you for spending time with us tonight, and uh, I hope that you enjoy your time with us. I will say to all of us that this is kind of an in-house message. And so to our guests, bear with us and be sure to come back and join us Tuesday night as we start an awesome series this week on, um, well, I won't even tell you what it is, but let's just say you might need your trash can because it's kind of a yucky series. You might be, oh, it's gross. Anyway, you don't want to miss it. Starting Tuesday night, seven o'clock and each night throughout this week. And we're looking forward to a great series uh, starting out this week. We've enjoyed the past two weeks as we have celebrated Easter and kind of a lead up to Easter and then Easter itself. We had an awesome uh, communion service with Brother Littles last week, and it was just so phenomenal. I hope you all enjoyed that. And then, of course, we've been looking at how God has been redeeming us, redeeming the losers that we are and making us winners through Christ Jesus. And so it's been a great two weeks. And uh, so we're going to turn to something a little bit more fun, perhaps a little lighter, and uh, you'll want to you'll want to tune in this week. But tonight, I, I need to talk to you about a topic. I hope that you all have joined us because of the title that I gave you that let you know, which is probably present on many of your minds, which is when will we return? Now, if you're sitting here wondering, well, return where? Like, what is this? The return of the Jedi? What are we talking about here? No, we're specifically talking about when will we return to our physical campus? And uh, so that that is my topic tonight. That is what I want to take a look at is when will we return? And uh, first of all, let me tell you that you are not going to get a specific date or time tonight. All right. So tonight is really beginning the conversation. And uh, for those of you that have not been with us before, we met on a Friday night before we shut down our campus, March 15th, 2020. And we have remained on our physical campus shut down since March 15th, 2020. And that's why we meet every night, except for Monday night on our digital campus, because our physical campus, we simply did not feel we could stay there safely during this season. And then we experienced some, uh, a storm came through and caused some destruction to our building. And so now we're in the middle of, of renovations that occur in that and God's timing is good with that and we're thankful and uh, so we're looking forward to that being completed. So when we come back to our physical campus, there will be have been a lot of changes and we're excited and looking forward to that. But how are we arriving at? What, what's the idea? When will we return? Uh, this question has been a question that has been on my mind from that first Friday night in March of 2020. How are we returning? And when we first shut down, we thought, well, it'll be for a couple of weeks. And and then it extended to, well, it looks like we're going to be a couple of months. And obviously, we have extended much further than that. So what's the logic behind it? And so I want to spend some time with you tonight 
uh, talking about that. And uh, very, very honestly, through much prayer, study of examples from Scripture, and, and frankly, the still small voice of the Spirit, both then and now, I have determined that not only are we to embrace this season to allow God to teach us, and you have heard us teach this to you, we've heard you've heard us preach this to you, that this is a season not to be frustrated, it's a season not to be angry or to be afraid, but it's a season to allow God to teach us. But not only are we to embrace this season, but also that our actions that we should take should be taken in order to achieve the maximum possible protection of our church community from even contracting COVID-19. Now, I didn't know if that was even possible when we first shut down. I was at the first just simply saying, I don't want anybody to die. But as time has, has unfolded, as we have stayed on our digital campus, we've realized that we can help people not contract COVID-19. Now, please understand, I did not and do not have the authority to control each individual person or each individual family and their choices. As we have moved through now what is longer than a year, some of these choices that we've had to make are unavoidable and others are avoidable, but they are your choices. They are not mine. I do not control the individual members' lives. It's not my place. It's not my responsibility. And, and I have a, my own personal opinions, and, and, but they are just that, opinions. And, and by the way, each of you also have personal opinions, and they are just that, opinions. Um, and through all of the choices that we've had to make over the last year, some of you have contracted the virus, but many of you have not. Um, those who have contracted it, we've not judged you and we do not condemn you. Uh, we, we might even have an opinion about whether you should have done what led to you contracting it or, or whether you shouldn't have, but that's not the point. Those are your responsibilities, your decisions, your individual family's decisions. You have to weigh that risk and benefit piece. And we've tried to give uh, information to you, but we have not tried to control your individual lives. That's the way we were when we were together in person, and it's the way we are now. But this is a key point. Your personal opinions and my personal opinions and the choices that each of us make cannot be determinative for our local church community. In other words, just because you would make a certain choice as an individual family member does not make it acceptable that that's the choice that's made for the whole church community. Now, let me address something before I move further, because in this discussion and in understanding this, I have run into in multiple places some bad theology and not all of it in Newark. I'm talking about in, in, in the larger society, in our larger church movement, I've run into some bad theology, which, by the way, theology is simply our study and our understanding of God regarding death and free will, because obviously we're dealing with a pandemic and a pandemic means a lot of people are dying. And so people's responses are many times tied up in their understanding of death and also their understanding of free will. Many across our nation and the world have stated something similar to the following statement. I believe in God and God will not allow me to die until it is my time. I want everybody within the sound of my voice that's listening to this broadcast, whether live 
or later, I want you to hear me very clearly. This statement is false. Yes, I just said what I said. There is no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts, there's no parenthetical phrases, there's no qualifications. This statement is false. And the reason it's false is because it does not acknowledge the role of free will. And the Bible is crystal clear that God made us in his image and after his likeness, and he gave us the ability to choose. I have many times said I wish he had not done so. I, I can't stand free will. Free will has caused us a heap of trouble as a human nation, as a, as a human people, and as nations across world history. Free will would be, oh, I would be very happy if God didn't give it to us, but he did. Let me share two examples with you to illustrate why I say to you that this statement that I believe in God and God will not allow me to die until it is my time is false. The first is in the life of King Hezekiah. Now you may know about this king. He was a good king. He served the Lord and uh, he was true to the God of Israel. At a certain point, God appears to Hezekiah and informs him that he's about to die. He needs to set his house in order. But Hezekiah doesn't want to die. And so he pleads with the Lord to give him more time. He exercises his free will to petition God to extend his life. And God responds by extending his life. It's a perfect example of the interaction of the sovereign will of God interacting with this human free will. You can study out the story further, but during that extended period of life, Hezekiah made many mistakes that tarnished his walk with God and tarnished his leadership as a king. It was not God's will for him to live longer, but free will impacted what happened. And I could give you many more biblical examples to talk about. It was not God's will to take the life of a baby, but David conceived it in sin and God brought punishment to David through that. It was not God's will that the water be turned into wine. In fact, Jesus told his mother and said, it's not my time, but his mother insisted and out of deference to his mother and respect for her, the God of all the universe did his first miracle, according to the gospel of John, not because it was God's plan, but because his mother asked him to. God has this ability to respond to our free will. Our free will does not get to change his ultimate will, but at the same time, we have the ability to impact what happens. Let me give you a, sec a second example that's not a biblical example, but rather one from the story of Newark UPC itself. And some of you may remember this, but not most of you. It's the story of a man by the name of Nelson Wallstrom. Now, some of you may be scratching your heads and who's Nelson Wallstrom? Well, Nelson was Elkton's town drunk. And he was also known by the name Bunky. That's how I knew him, Bunky Wallstrom. Through the faithfulness of a godly wife, Bunky ultimately was born again of water and spirit, but only after he had destroyed his liver through drinking and his lungs through smoking. Bunky struggled with smoking until a very few months before he died. Long after he's baptized in Jesus' name, long after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's a whole theological discussion about that, too, and the grace and the mercy of God. But yes, God filled him with his spirit, and he still struggled with smoking. In fact, one time my dad visited him in the hospital 
And when he found out that friends were sneaking cigarettes into Bunky in the hospital to smoke while he was on oxygen, uh, my dad, if you if you uh, if you find this funny, uh, chuckle if you don't just ignore this. But my dad basically told Bunky, "You tell your friends that if they keep bringing cigarettes into this hospital, I'm going to break their legs." <laughs> I find that funny. You all might not find it funny. Bunky died, not just when God willed it. Bunky died earlier than he was supposed to. And he died in the hands of a loving God. But he died when he died because he drank and he smoked. It affected when he died. Free will is a part of it. I love Bunky. I love this singing. I love this spunk. I love this personality. But I can tell you, I would have loved to have had Bunky with us longer. We do not control when we die. But we do have influence that impacts the ability for us to die sooner than we were supposed to. Free will matters. Here's my point. My point with Hezekiah. My point with all of the Bible examples. My point with Bunky Wallstrom. We cannot relieve ourselves of the responsibility of our choices exercised through free will by simply saying that God is in total control. Hear me very clearly. He is in total control. But he has then shared that control with us through free will. Our choices matter. Our choices matter. So returning to this question of when will we return? My decisions have been and continue to be to protect the church community and its members from an outbreak that spreads throughout the entire church. I know your individual choices do not make it where we can come back together safely yet. Some of those choices are voluntary, and I personally think you could choose better. Others of you have no choice. You have to do some of the things that you are doing. But all of it collectively affects that we have not yet been able to come back together into physical in-person services without having an outbreak. And I think it's safe to say that I've been validated because churches around the country have hit, been hit time and time again with these outbreaks, as recent as now. The second thing is my decisions are about presenting a witness to our larger community about how we, the church, are caring for them by our actions. I know we can't fix this whole thing, but we still are 150, 200, 250 people that then spread to other people, people we have to work with or families we live with or places that we shop. And, and so we can contribute. Please understand these decisions are not simply my opinions because they are my responsibility as stipulated within our local church government bylaws. I'm doing my best to act in a manner that's consistent with the needs of the whole, not just what I want. My brothers and sisters, please understand something. The test of leadership is not how you act when everyone agrees. That's easy. You get in front, and you lead the band. No, the test of leadership is how you act when there is disagreement. 
and this season within our nation and within the church has been a season of massive miscommunication and a breakdown in leadership. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, and it's not only my horn, but rather it's also the pastoral team alongside of me. But you, Newark UPC, have not experienced this massive miscommunication and this dereliction in duty with regard to leadership. You've gotten clear communication and consistent demonstration of leadership. We have not wavered and we will not waver. I know that you haven't necessarily agreed. Everybody hasn't agreed. That's not the point. The point is, is have we communicated and have we been consistent in what we are doing? And the answer is yes. As I have stated before, you will have the opportunity to decide whether my actions were appropriate during the pandemic. But listen to me clearly. The expression of those opinions will only really be possible and appropriate when the pandemic has ended. Because you can't change horses in the middle of the need. We don't even have a means of having a business meeting. I'm not saying you all want to fire me, but if you wanted to, I don't know how you do it. So you're going to have to wait until we come back and then you can express that opinion. I'm not, I'm not bullying anyone here. Please understand that. I'm simply stating the obvious. You're going to have to trust me until we come out of this crisis. And then you will be able to look back and hopefully with perspective, come to a decision about whether you agreed with what I did. And what you should do then. My prayer is, is that you'll look back and you will find that I did my best. That I did what was right. Now, when will we return? Based upon prayer and my continued research and monitoring of our knowledge of the pandemic. And I will continue to do that. It is my decision that we cannot safely return to in-person meetings until we've met one of the following conditions, and there's three of them. I'm not saying we meet all three. Hear me very clearly. We've got to meet one of these. Number one, the pandemic ends for the United States through infection and death rates plummeting. This is what's called a medical end. It basically ends because the exact same thing that caused it to start, the rise in infections and the rise in deaths due to the infections reached a pandemic level well, the pandemic ends when they lower and cease to be at that level. Number two, the second possibility is that appropriate levels of vaccinations are met within our local context of Newcastle County and the state of Delaware. I looked at numbers this morning, and I think the levels of vaccinations, we don't have single shot numbers. We have only everybody who's received their double shots is about 18% is what I believe Newcastle County is at in the state of Delaware. Again, don't hold me to that number. I'm pulling off my memory uh, as I looked at it this morning. So that's the second option is that our local context of the state of Delaware and Newcastle County reaches appropriate levels of vaccinations. When that would happen, then we could come back safely together. The third option seems to be, the, to me, to be the one that's more viable. Appropriate level levels of vaccinations within our local church community members are met 
so as to provide safety for both those vaccinated and those who cannot or choose not to be vaccinated. Now, I want to pause there for just a moment. We have been crystal clear. You do not have to be vaccinated. We have never required you to be vaccinated from other sicknesses in order to attend new RQPC, and we're not going to start now. Some of you are choosing not to because you believe certain things that I don't believe, and that is your right. I don't have Bible, and therefore I am not going to fight you on that. But you also can't fight me. You can't fight your brothers and sisters. You have to leave your opinions as opinions. Others of you have reasons that you cannot. It's not a choice, really. It's you medically cannot. You would be advised not to be vaccinated at this point. Please understand that we who are willing to be vaccinated are paying attention not just to ourselves, but to creating an environment where you who choose not to or are not able to are also kept safe. Which brings up an interesting point that we don't have data on, and I'm hoping we will have answers to this over the next several months, which is we're waiting for a determination whether a vaccinated person can still carry and therefore transmit the virus to an unvaccinated person. And that point there, if you miss it, the reason I bring that up is because that affects what we do when we come back together. Because even if we have a high percentage of folks who willingly vaccinate and therefore our local church has reached appropriate levels of vaccinations so as to come back together safely, we need to not be transmitting it either to those who are unable to vaccinate, those who are unwilling to vaccinate, or those who uh, are children, that it's not yet available to them. Now, all of that is to say this, my brothers and sisters, there is no way if we are intent upon returning to in-person services as soon as possible that vaccines are not going to be discussed. They are. We must talk about them. Hear me again. You are not required to vaccinate. Your decision to vaccinate should not pressure others to vaccinate. Your decision to not vaccinate should also not pressure others to not vaccinate. Again, vaccines will be discussed. Why? Not because we're trying to do anything about vaccinations, but because this is the most viable option for us returning to in-person meetings. And again, vaccines will provide necessary safety for both those who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated. We're not ignoring those of you who have a difference of opinion about vaccines. In fact, we're trying to guard you as well. Now, allow me to clear up two misunderstandings regarding HIPAA being applied to a church and also the idea that a church is subject to the same constraints as a public entity. These are two areas that uh, over over a lot of years, people have misunderstood. Obviously, the idea of the church as a public entity 
has been around much longer. But then when the HIPAA laws came into place, this is an area that's kind of confusing. And for those of you that are, are, are uh, not interested in seeing how smart I am about this information, and that's said as a joke, so don't get all mad at me, um, you can kind of glass over for a moment here because I'm going to give you some very specific language here to specify it. But the HIPAA privacy rule applies to disclosures made by employees, volunteers, and other members of what they call a covered entity or a business associate of a covered entity's workforce. So you have two different things, covered entities, which have not yet been defined, and business associates of covered entities. It's about employees, volunteers, and other members of these two uh, types of institutions that they cannot disclose. Now, a covered entity is a health plan, a healthcare clearinghouse, or those healthcare providers who conduct one or more covered healthcare transactions electronically, such as transmitting healthcare claims to a health plan. And business associates are any of the people or entities other than these covered entities that do these same kinds of things, that perform functions or activities on behalf of, such as creating, receiving, maintaining, or transmitting protected health information. And the business associates can even have subcontractors that work for them. And if they create, receive, maintain, or transmit protected health information, then they also are covered by this. Now, here's the point. Given this definition, employer-to-employee communications is most likely not covered by HIPAA. It might have state and federal regulations that control uh, non-discrimination rules. But as a volunteer organization, as a church, we're not covered by HIPAA. We can ask you whether you've been vaccinated or not. As a volunteer organization, you don't have to answer us. But we are not breaking a law to ask. Second thing, our church insurance, Brotherhood Mutual, uh, does a whole lot of legal work to make sure churches are in compliance and how they operate. And they state that case law supports the notion that churches are not required to allow just anyone to enter or remain on their property simply because their ministries are open to the public. Now, here's my point. It's not to tell you you're not invited to the church. My point is this. We're not owned by the government, but rather we're governed by our own local church government bylaws. We're very much interested in welcoming the public. We want visitors to come. Obviously, we want our members to come. But don't make the mistake of thinking that we are a public institution. We're not. We're a private institu institution that operates according to its own bylaws. My point in these two clarifications is simple. We are allowed to self-govern and self-determine according to the structure of our local church government bylaws. If you're wondering why I'm making this address, if you're wondering why I'm making these decisions, if you're wondering why, it's because these decisions have been stipulated as my responsibility as pastor by the bylaws. This is also why we will not require you to vaccinate in order to attend church. Why? Because I have always decided that. I don't have biblical mandate to require people to vaccinate. But I'm also telling everyone within our congregation, we will not be opening our physical campus until we can do so safely. 
if I can keep you safe for a year, I promise you I'm going to do it a couple of more months until it's safe. Well, who gave you the right to make that decision, Steve? The local church government bylaws. Those annual business meetings are important. Next time that they happen, you probably want to show up. Your vote matters. Your membership status matters so that you can vote. Now, we will be informally asking, in general, who's been vaccinated. We're not going to be pointed. We're not going to call people out. And you are not required to volunteer that information or give us that information if you don't want to, ever. But the idea that vaccinations do not matter is simply false. As I stated before, until we meet one of the above stated conditions, we cannot return safely. And in my opinion, my research, and through prayer, vaccination is the most probable means of returning to in-person meetings. For now, if you are willing to share that you've taken the vaccine, please let us know. At a later point, we may even send out an anonymous survey to gauge what percentage of our church community has been vaccinated. It'll be anonymous. We will not be able to identify individual persons. We're not even interested in who the individual persons are. This information is about us making an informed decision about when we have reached appropriate levels of vaccination within our local church community so as to provide safety for all of us, both vaccinated and those who choose or cannot be vaccinated. It's not about vaccinations, my brothers and sisters. It's about us returning to in-person meetings safely. Now, let me be clear. This address is not meant to shut down you talking to me. I'm happy to meet with anyone who has questions or concerns. Please call the office, speak with our executive assistant, Joyce Allen. She'll be happy to schedule a Zoom meeting with me where I can hear your concerns and answer any more of your questions. Anyone who takes to the public forums of social media at this point, instead of speaking directly to me, will not be responded to. I'm not going to try to answer you in a public forum. This, by the way, is not a correction of past interactions. It's direction about how we go forward. I'm not targeting any one person. If this that I'm saying tonight applied to only you, I would have been talking to you personally. I speak to people about things that apply only to them personally. I've never targeted individuals from the pulpit, whether the physical pulpit or a digital pulpit. Tonight applies to multiple inquiries and interactions, some that are public and some that are private messages, some are phone calls, others are things that I've heard from other members of the pastoral team. So I know there's enough questions that I it is relevant to the whole church and therefore I'm addressing it to the whole church. In this ending phase of COVID-19, and I really do believe we are coming to an end, it's critical that we not allow our weariness to distract us from our commitment to the body of Christ. Questions and concerns are always welcomed as they have always been, but they must be expressed in appropriate manner and in the appropriate space. I need everybody also to hear me on this. While I have appreciated and used the wisdom and counsel of the pastoral team during this season, decisions regarding the pandemic and our response to it are wholly mine. I am responsible. 
I alone can answer for these decisions. And I do so willingly. I do so gladly as I obey the instruction of the Lord through the Apostle Peter when he wrote to the elders to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Church, I'm going to be blunt with you. The amount of stress, peril, criticism, and no-win situations that this season presents us with is without precedent. We've never, I've never faced this before in 25 years of ministry. It is literally life and death. You could not pay me, and you all have been very generous in caring for me and my family as I serve you, but you could not pay me enough money to do this job. I am serving you because our master has asked me to. Ask yourself what I'm gaining out of this. Well, you get your paycheck, preacher. Yeah. And as generous as you all have been, it's not enough money. This is a tough season. I serve you because I love you. If you're angry at me, then you just have to be angry. I love you. And I'm trying to protect you and care for you. So. For the third time, when will we return? I am hopeful. I am optimistic that the July-August window will be possible. Our building renovations will be completed. But vaccines are the only way we can meet that July-August window. So what is your responsibility? Each of you individually, what is your responsibility? Prayerfully and carefully decide whether you are willing to be vaccinated. If you are, do so as soon as you are as, as is possible. If you're not, that's fine. Pray for your brothers and sisters who are willing, and then be patient. Give one another the freedom to choose in Christian liberty. In the meantime, stay faithful to the daily evening broadcasts. I know that we're tired, but stay faithful. Attend your online small groups. Keep yourself and your family safe. Here's the bottom line, my brothers and sisters. We will not grow weary in well-doing. We will not faint. We will reap the rewards of this season. We will be Christians. We will continue to be a diverse community of believers who stay united through mutual submission one to another. Anything less than this is unacceptable. And when we fall short, and I am sure that we will, we will call one another to step up, we will repent, we will forgive, and we will renew our commitment to being the Jesus followers who are characterized by their love for each other. I'm hopeful that sometime in July or August, we're going to be able to come back together. It may be with some restrictions so that we make sure that those who have not been able to be vaccinated are still safe. But I'm hopeful. But those of you that are uncomfortable with the vaccinations, we are not compelling you. But you're going to have to tolerate us discussing them. You're going to have to allow those that are 
willing to take it, who maybe even are excited about the opportunity to take a vaccine and get back to life in a more normal fashion. You've got to tolerate us. You've got to give to us just as we will give to you. And together, we're going to come back together into our physical campus and we're going to do so in safety and in unity, in respect and in love for each other. I thank you for your attention. The way our broadcast works, I can see the numbers and many of you have stayed very faithful to this broadcast. I know it's a little longer. I'm almost 40 minutes in, in broadcast time. And so I don't want to take any more of your time. I want to thank you for being with us. If you are a guest, this is your first time. As I say sometimes at church, please come back. This is not our typical service. This is not what we normally do. But every once in a while, I have to speak in such a manner or deal with something in a manner that's not the typical. And that was tonight. And so I, I, I beg your forgiveness. I know it's not normal. Come back and, and join us Tuesday night. We're going to have a great time together as we start a new series this week. Be faithful to your small groups. This week, we do not have small groups. There is small group connect on Tuesday night. You can use the same bridge that you use for all your small groups to join that. And then the following week, we will be back again in small groups, continuing our series on failed expectations. It's a great series. I hope you all enjoyed the first week dealing with the story of Leah. And we're just going to have a great time continuing to be faithful, continue to let God teach us in this season. And we're going to rejoice when we're able to come back together. But we're going to do so in a manner that's consistent with how we've operated over the last year. And we're going to do so in a manner that's safe. And we're going to do so in a manner that is respectful of one another. Thank you for being a part of us. Thank you for your choice to be a part of us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving me if I've been in any way offensive. And likewise, please understand all of you I love with everything in my being. It is an honor to serve you. And so with that, I wish you a great Sunday night. I pray God's blessings upon you. Be safe this week. Continue to love and care for one another. And may God bless you and be with you. In Jesus' name. Good night, everyone.